Hello, and welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. Join us as we explore God's Word, providing practical teaching for day-to-day living. The message you are about to hear was recorded live at our Sunday morning worship experience. If you would like to learn more about Salt Church, please visit us at saltchurch.org. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. And we're starting a new series uh, today called uh, uh, Time, Talent, and Treasure. Time, Talent, and Treasure. And this is a generosity series, a stewardship series, if you want to call it that. And uh, if, 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 you don't, uh, if that stewardship word kind of throws you off, it's just a ter- churchy term for managing our resources. And God has blessed us with so much as believers. Um, it's important for us to manage our resources for his kingdom and for his glory. God, we say it around here, God gets the first and the best, and we trust him with the rest. Amen? Uh, he gets the first and the best, so we use this term called first fruits. And uh, we try to revisit this every, every year, especially coming into the Thanksgiving and Christmas season when we're thinking about uh, generosity and giving and, and what God wants us to do with our resources. As believers, as followers of Christ, what does God uh, uh, do with our, re- you know, what do we do with our resources? How do we uh, uh, handle our resources for his glory and for our betterment? And, a lot, and, and, and it's, uh, before we were believers, we think different about resources, amen? I mean, we think it's about, you know, what I can get and what I can handle. But when, when you become a believer in Christ, something changes inside of us. It transforms us. And, and when we align with his word, we want to become more like him, and we want to listen to him. And there's something special about that when we begin to honor him and align with his word and do what he says to do. We start experiencing grace after grace after grace in our lives. And, um, and God uses us to work for his kingdom, to pursue his kingdom purposes. What does kingdom mean? It means uh, he is the king. We are his children. And we're extending the kingdom of God. That's what we're called to do on this, this earth. And the only way God is capable of doing it, well, God is capable of doing it anyway. I don't want to take away his sovereignty. Let me backtrack a little bit there, but God has decided to do that through the church. Amen. He's decided to do that with our resources. So when we give, when we put in the offering plate, when we uh, give to our neighbor that is hurting or sick or, or, or even, even our time, the, the time and the talent we put into things is all for the glory of the kingdom of God. And he uses it, our time, our treasure, our talent, our toys, and all those things. Well, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about those things, and uh, this week I think is a really important subject, and it's about time. Time, you ain't no friend of mine. How many of you would would agree with that? At times, you know, you don't. I don't feel like time is a friend of mine. Um, in 1974, Harry Chapman's "Cats in the Cradle" hit number one on the Billboard charts. Now I'm I'm too young to remember it. And I, I didn't hear it until that, that song until I was a teenager and kind of fell in love with the song. Uh, but, but there is something about the mix of lyrics and the melody that is, that is very sobering. If you listen to the lyrics of the song and what he is singing about, it's, it's, it's really about regret and wasted time and the importance of spending time in the right things and in the right places. And what is even more sobering about the, the, the poem if, if you, uh, or, or the song is that it was written based on Harry's wife, Sandy's poem. And uh, it ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. The song was released 
in the year his son Josh was born. And when Josh was seven, Harry was uh, performing about 200 concerts a year. He was very uh, popular in that time. And, and his wife, Sandy, asked him when he was going to take time for the family. And, and Harry said, okay, after the end of the summer, I will take off the time and I will spend it. Uh, but, but he never made it to the end of the summer because July 16th, 1981, as he was driving on the Long Island Expressway, a truck hit his Volkswagen Rabbit and his life came to an end on this earth. Um, that truth is all of our lives are going to end at some point. We don't know when. The truth is that we are going to come to some place where it's the end of our lives. And the greatest evaluation of our lives will be how we spend our time and our talent and our treasure. It was Dallas Willard who said, I don't know of any answer to busyness uh, other than solitude or tragedy. Um, most people, unfortunately, experience that through tragedy. But my hope today is I can do this through a message and help you and help us understand the importance of resourcing our time, the time that God has given us. And uh, the title of this message is Redeeming the Time. If you could turn to 2 Thessalonians 3.11, if you have your Bible, or if you just want to follow along your notes, that's fine, or up here on the uh, screens. And uh, we're going to go through this together, and I think this is kind of a, 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 a scripture that, that really hits home in the time category. And it says this, in, uh, beginning with verse 11, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies meaning they are busy with the things that don't really matter. They're, they're, they're busy doing things that aren't really advancing things in God's kingdom and his church. And it says in verse 12, such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of what is good. What is good, very encouraging thought there. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instructions in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Now, in context, that sounds like kind of bad, but really it's about helping them understand being convicted about the things they're doing. Um, yeah, do not regard them as an enemy. So he kind of backtracks there, but don't regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. Now, the word idle kind of brings up a lot of thoughts, uh, a lot of things, a number of things. Some may say, well, if I think of an idle person, I think of somebody who's lazy, who's careless, who just doesn't have a direction in life, uh, sitting around, doing nothing. But in the truest sense, the word uh, the, uh, being idle is undisciplined, undisciplined being undisciplined. And I think there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who make things happen and those who let things happen. And an idle per person is, is those who just kind of floats through life, just letting things happen, just uh, living by default as opposed to design. And um, uh, there's an old saying that we're all familiar with, idle hands are the devil's workshop. 
I mean, we've, we've heard it said to us. We've heard it said around us. And, and, and in our idleness, we open the door to temptation because I think there's a real truth in that. And, and we open the door to the enemy uh, and, and for him to come in and make some, some, some use of the time that is meant for God's purposes. So there's some truth in that statement. And uh, if, if you are going to, to, let me just use a very practical example of, of time management. If you are going to get in shape physically, uh, you can't be idle, can you? If you were going to train for a marathon, let's say, you know, a, a, a K, a 5, 10K marathon, whatever it is, if you're training for that, you're not going to be idle with that. You're going to be very disciplined. You're going to be disciplined in your life. You're going to eat right. You're going to run. You're going to exercise. You're going to eat the right things, right? You're going to, you're going to focus on uh, maybe mentally you want to be right. You want to sleep well. You want to get prepared. You want to spend months ahead of time getting prepared for what is to come, right? Well, in the same way, we need to be disciplined in our um, time and our, and our uh, talents and our treasures because uh, we can be unhealthy mentally, spiritually in those disciplines as well. And if you don't control your calendar, and you've heard people say this, you've probably heard this term over and over again, if you don't control your calendar, it will control you. And so many times we allow our calendars to control our life. In other words, if you aren't disciplined in the way that you're using your time, just as if you aren't uh, disciplined in the way you're spending your money and, and the way you are, 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 are uh, doing other things, you go into debt, right? If you're not disciplining your money, you go into debt. Well, there's time debt that we can create in the same way. We need to discipline our time. And hopefully by the time we are done, you are stewarding that properly. You are stewarding your money properly as well. Some of you are probably, I don't even steward my money properly. Well, hopefully we can help you with that in the coming weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about money, and we're going to spend two weeks on money um, uh, as you know, generosity and things like that. We're going to look in those areas of helping others and, and what we are to do for the kingdom of God. And I think it's going to be really beneficial for us. So Paul says, uh, they are not busy, but they are busy bodies, busy bodies. Um, that term busy bodies in the context of the Greek language means to busy oneself with useless and needless matters. Okay. In other words, the Thessalonians were majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. They were dealing, they were having fights and they were, they were talking among themselves about things that didn't really matter and they were missing the point of, of uh, what they were supposed to be doing. They were, they were not, uh, they were minoring on the majors and majoring on the minors. Corey Tim Boone once said, if, if the devil can't make you bad, he can make you busy. <laughs> and he does that, doesn't he? If, if he, can't, he can't get you on that area, he's gonna put things in your life to distract you from his, his purpose. Uh, uh, and uh, life is a constant battle. Is it not, I mean, between uh, the urgent and the important, and the urgent being those things that demand our attention, and uh, the important are those things that actually deserve our attention. 
So we, we deal with urgent things all the time, but are those, are those urgent things important? <laughs> I know for me, that's kind of something I, I deal with. You know, I got to get something knocked out right away, and my wife has to pull me to the side sometimes when, when things come in, and I'm, I'm working on something important, and something comes in. Well, I got to deal with this. I got to deal with this. No, you don't have to deal with this right now. You need to focus on that because that's more important right now. And sometimes we get caught with the urgent versus the important, and we need to prioritize those things. Um, Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and habit number three was put first things first. So it's really about prioritizing things. And he said this, anything less than a conscious commitment to the important is a unconscious commitment to the unimportant. Uh, so, so other words, if, if, if uh, I choose to say yes to something, then I'm saying no to something else. Or if I choose to say no to something, I'm saying yes to something else. So, so if, if you aren't consciously committed to important things, then you are unconsciously committing yourself to unimportant things. That, uh, uh, so so I've, I look at this scripture in Luke 8, Luke 8, uh, and I've never saw it from this context before. And this is the story of, of Legion. Um, how many of you know the story of Legion, or if, at least heard if you're not in church or been a part of church, you've heard Legion. I mean, Legion is one of those, those names that's out there. And what Legion means, and obviously the story is about a, a demon-possessed man with, a, uh, they say, 6,000 demons, and there's debates of whether he had 6,000 demons in him or they were 6,000 personalities, but the... Uh, demon or the devil or the spirit called himself, I am legion. I'm legion. My name is legion when, when Jesus called out to him. So the word legion was a military regiment consisting of about 6,000 Roman soldiers. So typically we understand that story as casting out demons, but I heard someone else uh, interpret this in another way. Elizabeth O'Connor wrote an interpretation of this in which the name is legion is a plight for us all. And uh, she says this, she was saying that uh, you might not be possessed by 6,000 demons, but does anybody feel pulled in 6,000 directions? Uh, does anyone feel 6,000 voices kind of enter their head and, and distract them? Or there's 6,000 things to do? Or there's 6,000 regrets in our life? Or maybe there's 6,000 worries that we deal with. So everybody struggles with legion in some way, shape, and form. It may not be a demon, but there is certainly some time management issues that need to take place in our lives, amen? And it keeps us from the things that God has for us. And if we genuinely believe that God created time, and God gifted us with time, and he numbers our days, and every day is a gift from him, why wouldn't we value the resource of time? Why wouldn't we want to resource our time in a way that was beneficial for the kingdom, for God, and for us, and take it very seriously? Matthew 6, we all know this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, now, I, I want to say something here. I love our church. I think we have a wonderful church, and, and a lot of you are, are, are seeking God with all of your heart. But I, I wonder how many of us are seeking him first 
if we are, uh, are, are being honest, uh, are we seeking him first or are we seeking things first? Uh, here's what my concern is. It is that some of us are seeking him second, third, tenth, and on and on, almost as if we are working out a deal, you know? Like, I'll seek you first, God, if you honor me here. I'll seek you first, God, if you meet this goal in my life. I'll seek you, but I need to know um, where we're going first. And instead of, in true faith, honoring him and say, I seek you first, because we like the all these things part. That's a great, God, give me these things, and then I'll seek you first. But that's not how that works. It says, seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. And, and God, if, if, if you get me here, I will seek you first. And, and this is about making sure that we are, are doing everything uh, or, or, or you are doing everything you are doing for the glory of God. And at the fundamental level, seeking God means making him the first thing. Like at the beginning of the day, uh, are we making him first at the beginning of the day? How many days do we start off? I know when I start off my day with him first, things tend to fall in place. And, and if I'm giving him first things, I also can't help but wonder if it means that we don't spend more time seeking God than other things. Like, if we believe that we're going to be in heaven one day and with him all the time, why don't we want to be with him on earth? <laughs> There's a contradiction there. And I don't know anybody that doesn't need some recalibration of, of time management. I think this is going to be really, really good to see, uh, you know, to assess ourselves uh, so we're, we're going to look at this, and uh, there's a, the psalmist says this in 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. And if you are not still, you might be too busy. Did you know that? If you are still, if you are not still before the Lord, you might be too busy. And if you are trying to be too busy, you might, you might be doing uh, too much. Then, then you are playing God. If you're trying to do too much, excuse me. If you're trying to do too much, you are playing God. And if you're trying to play God, you are going to be burnt out and, and burned in general. There's a trajectory that takes place here. When we get busy, we try to be God. When we try to be God, we burn out. And we're good for nothing. So time management is, is very important. There's a book called Anam Kara that was written by John O'Donohue, who is a priest, an Irish priest. And uh, the, the story in this book, I think it's a very interesting story. I don't even know where uh, these explorers were going, but he shared a story about an explorer in Africa who hired these hands um, in, to, to get him to a, a specific place. And after about three days of hiking, they stopped, and the guy who hired him was like, okay, why are we stopping? He says, we can't go any further. He says, why? And, and they said this, we moved too quickly to reach here. Now we need to wait to give our spirits a chance to catch up with us. <laughs> Isn't that so true? Sometimes we move so quick that we need, we need time to stop and give our spirits time to catch up. Be still. That's why God, I think that's 
kind of the formula for us, be still. Sometimes we just need to be still and know who God is, know that I am God. He wants you to know that he is. He wants to minister to you. He wants to help you uh, get to where you're going. So we talked a lot about the problem, but how about some solution? And I want to give you five things uh, this morning that I think can help uh, uh, with uh, time management. Uh, very, very proud. I love the Bible because it's so practical and it gives us so much help in these areas. So as we talk about time as a resource, um, let's look at what uh, God can give us today and what the Holy Spirit is, is showing us. The first thing you need to do if you want to manage and resource your time better is you need to say no more often. You need to say no more often. Uh, this is a really hard thing for me. I mean, I can't. It's hard for me to say no. <laughs> to, to, to say no more often. And, and some of you may not have a problem saying no. Maybe you say no too much. <laughs> and uh, we're not dealing with you today, but for most people that are like me, it's really, really hard to say no. And, and I believe the word no is the key to overcoming this tendency to do too much. I think uh, we are busybodies because we can't say no to anybody or anything. I believe it was Andy Stanley that said it like this, saying yes to one thing is saying no to something else. Kind of talked about that a little earlier. So let's bring this down uh, to the practical life. It, if I take every meeting that everybody uh, uh, asks me to take, then I will be so busy that it would rob me of, of some of the good things that I could be doing, such as spending time with my children, spending time with my family, getting healthy in those ways. And yet I struggle with saying no, and I, and I feel like a bad person. And, uh, but what I've learned is that if I say yes to something, I have to say no to something else. Uh, and you need to know your priorities. I think it's important that we, we put priorities in place. What are the most important things in our life? And that's not easy to do because if your schedule is out of control, uh, you need to treat time like money and you need to budget your time. You need to sit down and budget your time. You need to get with your spouse. You need to get uh, uh, by yourself or, or what have you and say, okay, let me look at my time. How am I using my time? And as I said before, if you don't budget your time, you're going to go in debt with your time. Your, your time you're you're going to lose time. And uh, if, you schedule, if your schedule's out of control, that's something you need to do. You need to set some priorities in, in order. Okay, what is most important? What is urgent and what is important? What am I spending all my time doing that maybe I shouldn't be spending all my time doing? And, and begin to, to budget that out. Where am I? Uh, okay, God obviously is, is, is most important in my life. And then my family is second. My spouse is second. And my kids. And then, and then you need to set those things out, whatever they may be for you, and begin to budget your time like you do money so that you don't go in debt to your time. And I like, uh, one of my favorite concepts is um, you need to make some pre-decisions. Pre-decisions. And I know it's really hard to say no to people, but if you have some pre-decisions already laid out, like this is, this is what I can do and this is what I can't do, then it's easy to say no. I just can't do that right now. It's not where I am right now. Uh, I believe it was Andy Stanley that, that shared at a conference I was at one time, Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Ministries, um, said that when his kids were younger, 
uh, he and his wife made some pre-decisions about how they would spend their time. And uh, he was invited, he's being a, a world-renowned speaker, conference speaker, or what have you. While his kids were young, they chose not to do any speaking engagements outside of what their ministry was doing during that period of time. So for a season, they said no. He, when he was called uh, to, to be able to speak somewhere, you know, some awesome opportunities, he made a decision, no, I'm not going to take that engagement right now. Of course, you know, politely, he would say, man, that sounds like an awesome opportunity, but right now in this stage of my life, I just have to say no to it. I have to say no to it. Now that his kids are older and out of the house, he, he travels and does that a lot more with his wife and has a lot of, of ministry opportunities, but we need to make some pre-decisions. That's just a perfect example of making some pre-decisions in our life. And when we make those pre-decisions, God's going to test us at those pre-decisions because you're going to be asked to do some things that aren't really in your wheelhouse or in your schedule or aren't helpful or resourceful for your ministry and your life and, and your family. And so you need to make those decisions and you need to stick to it. The second thing that we need to do is leave a margin. Leave a margin. If you get too busy, you will lose the capacity of awe. You will lose the capacity of gratitude. You will lose the capacity for creativity. Uh, you will lose, lose the capacity for vision for your life. And most importantly, the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit will disappear from your life if you don't leave margins in your time. You make time for priorities, do you? Not? Do we not all? If we have priorities in our life, uh, we make time for those things. If we, again, going back to the marathon, if, if, we are, if, if a marathon is a priority for our life, if that's a big goal, we are going to set aside time to train, to eat well, to exercise and do those things. And uh, you need to make time for those things, those, those priorities in your life that are, are very important. So you're going to prioritize automatically what's most important. So the question is, what is the most important? And I need to make margins for those things. And I think all of us have what we call black holes in our lives. And what do I mean that? When you think of a black hole, you think of something that eats matter, right? It just eats things. It eats matter. I don't know. There's, maybe there's some scientists in here that are going to correct me on that. But when I think of a black hole, I think, you know, dissolving matter and, and, and things being sucked into a vortex. And, and all of us have places in our lives, I believe, like that, where time is eaten, where money is eaten is eaten. Maybe some of that is, is social media. Maybe some of that is television. Maybe some of that is even working out or whatever it might be. Some, some of that is, is taking your time, it's taking your energy, and it's taking your money. And, and, and you have to identify where those black holes in your lives are so that you can manage the time better. The third thing we need to do is redeem the time. Redeem the time. And the title of this message was Redeem the Time. And Ephesians 5.16 says this, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. The King James Version actually uses the word redeem the time. 
So when we identify those black holes in our life, those things that are sucking our time and money, how do we redeem those things? How do we, we take those, those, those things back? An example for me, I wear primarily two hats. I have a lot more like small hats and things like that. But my two primary hats are pastor, church planter. That's, that's who I am there. And the second hat I wear is husband and father. Husband and father, family man. So... I have to redeem the time for these two things because what can happen is I can easily get worked up in being, you know, a pastor, a church planter, and taking on all that, that, that it has and, and, and honoring everybody's time commitments and things like that and forget about the, some things that are, are very important in my life. And I might even miss out on some really God opportunities. So how do I redeem the time? Here's just a perfect example of that. Um, I, right now, am, a lot of weekends, I'll go set up signs on, on the weekends, and, and uh, uh, you got the flags out here and the flags out on the highway. We know we've kind of rotated those in and out, but somehow it just came back to Pastor Leon putting out the signs on the weekend again, and I don't know how that happened, but I'm there again, and uh, so I go out and I put some signs up on the roads and things like that because we want people to kind of see our church, and that's a part of our ministry, and, it, and, and, and many of you are here because you saw a sign out on the highway, and we put the flags out and things like that. Well, um, the weekend is very important for my kids, and, and um, um, and, and, my, and my wife, because she's off. So how do I redeem that time? Well, one of those things I do is I take Savannah, my daughter, with me because she wants daddy-daughter time. She loves daddy-daughter time. In fact, we went out on a daddy-daughter date last night, you know, and kind of hung out and, and ate sushi. And uh, yeah, my five-year-old loves sushi. <laughs> Not the raw sushi, but she likes <laughs> certain types of sushi. And, and, but, but when we're out, we, I redeemed the time by having daddy-daughter time, and we make a game of it. We go out and have fun putting up signs, and she'll ride around. I'll be in my car, and we'll, like, play a game, and we just spend good quality time together. Now, I could leave her at home and just get it done a lot quicker and then come back home or whatever, but what I'm doing is I'm, I'm redeeming the time. I'm redeeming the time I have with my daughter and I think that's important that when we identify those black holes in our lives, those things that are sucking, like how can I redeem the time I'm spending on television when I'm been, been watching my favorite show or when I, when I spend all that. Now, now it's, it's, this is a big, we live in like a technological age. So, so when I see uh, what's going on, in our culture, and I look around, even when I'm in the restaurant, you know, the, uh, there was one day I was in the restaurant, and I looked over at the family, and I'm like, oh, that's nice, a family, they're eating together, there's about six or seven of them, and all of them are on their phones, you know, <laughs> like, they're on their phones, and they're not even looking at each other. Even worse, uh, there was a, there was a teenage, uh, two teenage girls that came in one day, and I noticed they were, they were kind of sitting over at the table, and they were looking at their phone, they were hanging out, but they were looking at their phones, and, and then they started laughing at each other. And what I discovered is that they were actually text conversation, sating each other at the table instead of having like a real conversation across the table. They were texting back and forth from the table. You see what we got going on here? And I, I'm thinking, man, the time we spend on things like this rather than the time things that we could redeem that time on things that really matter like true relationships. And so often we, we, we find ourselves in places like this. Uh, number four, we need to give the Lord his time. We need to give the Lord his time. Give God his time. What do I mean by that? This is kind of a first fruits thing, kind of uh, piggybacking on what I was talking about early. And, and, and we, we do live in a, a technologically paced culture rather than an 
agriculturally paced uh, Bible kind of context. If we read the Bible, we understand that it was more agriculturally driven and there was more time. And I, I, I researched this. There was a study, and based on their research, if you live in a city versus a rural part of the country, a pause will seem twice as long as uh, to the person living in the country. I found that very interesting. That's fascinating to me. In other words, I, I think it is harder for us to slow down because of the pace that is around us all the time. Uh, I, I, we're, we're kind of adrenaline junkies, right? We like, we got to do more. We don't like sitting still. And I would even like to call us here in Virginia. We, we've got a specific thing here in Virginia Beach at the oceanfront, and that's uh, we're event junkies. <laughs> we love events, and we're going to events all the time, and we're posting events, and what event can I go to this weekend? And that seems to be. And we miss out on the ability to really just pause. Pause and just enjoy the Lord spending time being still before his presence. And we mess out on the idea of taking a Sabbath. It's biblical for us to take Sabbaths, to take time off, to rest. How often do we rest? That's something we really need to challenge ourselves. How much do I rest in the Lord? How do, how do, I, do, I, do I take a day off? And, and we don't want to be legalistic about it, but are you taking a day? Are you taking a time off and really resting? Because the Sabbath is a way of just saying, dear Lord, I am not. I, I'm, I'm going to let go and let God. I, I am not you. And I can't do all that you can do. So I'm pausing. Even the Lord paused on the seventh day, right? He paused and looked and said, this is good. Look at all that I have done. This is good. This is very good. And he teaches us to do the same thing. And this is really hard to do. Sabbathing is one of those things that, uh, that is hard to do. But if we will learn to take time and pause, and that might be a Saturday for you, that might be a Thursday for you, that might be a Sunday for you, whatever that is, take time with the Lord. Because unplugging is hard, but we need to do it to, to get our minds focused on God once again. And it really does benefit us. Um, I, was, I was thinking to myself, you know, the Martha, there's this thing called the Martha syndrome that I was, I was reading about where, where Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and, and Martha was so busy doing the things uh, that matter, uh, that, don't, that, that didn't really matter at the time. You know, uh, Mary was at the feet of Jesus and Martha's like, oh, Jesus, won't you tell Martha, uh, Mary to get back in here because she's just, there's just so much to do. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting because a lot of us are like Martha. We have the Martha syndrome. And the Martha syndrome is like, oh, this and that, this and that. I got to do this. I got to do that. And we forget to pause for a minute and actually bow down at the feet of Jesus and, and love and lean in to, to, to who he is. And what we've become, we, we aren't human beings anymore. We're human doings. And we're so involved in doing, 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 doing when we need to stop and put in perspective who we are and who God is and who is really in control and allow him to be Lord of the time, to resource the time in a way that is most effective. And then finally, um, 
and, and a number two to that, we need to give God his first, the first and best of our time. Not only Sabbath, but first and best of our time. Uh, are we practicing a quiet time before the Lord? Are, are we spending time in prayer and reflection? At the very beginning of the year, we kind of enter into that. Every January, we do a time of prayer and fasting, and we teach on the importance of like giving the first of our day to God. Just giving, even if it's a few minutes, even if it's three minutes, even if it's two minutes, giving that time to him. And number five, and lastly, um, and this is really, really, really important. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Every time I go to my in-laws or to my parents' house, I've got this thing about me that I just can't get off my back. You know, when I'm going, I'm always trying to beat my time. I'm always looking at the clock and thinking about, can I get there just five minutes, 10 minutes early, earlier? And my, my in-laws live like, you know, 14 hours away. So I'm just like <laughs> rolling, trying to, trying to beat my time and trying to get there. And, and, and the bathroom breaks, this and that and this and that. Um, uh, John Maxwell uh, uh, shared a story one time or somebody who was friends with John Maxwell. He's a, he's a, he's a leader, a world-renowned leader, and a Christian leader. Uh, and he... Uh, this guy was invited on a vacation with him, and uh, the guy kind of showed up at his house. You know, we're leaving at uh, 4 o'clock today, 4 o'clock p.m., and when he got there, John wasn't even packed. His family wasn't even packed. They were kind of just hanging out, and, and he's just like, oh, he's just stressed because he's like, time, 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 time. You know, we got to get on the road, and we got to get here at the, by a certain time or whatnot or what have you. And, uh, and then when they finally got down the road, they stopped at every little monument, every big ball of yarn, you know, where the families get in front of the big ball yarn and take it yeah, she smile and they stopped there and in every little monument on the way they stopped and they were a family and they got out and this and that and then God kind of he, he was just getting so irritated about what was going on we're never going to get to our destination it's going to take us twice as long and then God spoke to him and says just enjoy the journey see John and his family understood what it meant to enjoy the journey that God had put him on and I love how Mark Batterson says it. He says as he, he had gotten older, he, he's changed his way to, of praying because every prayer he was praying was ASAP prayers, you know, as soon as possible, God, as soon as possible, right? But he says, my, my prayer life has changed to being ALAT prayers as long as it takes, as long as it takes, as long as it takes. Because I never want my gifts to take me further than my character. One thing I've learned is, is as I walk out things and, I, and I, this ASAP person, it's got to happen, it's got to happen, it's got to happen, takes me away from the things that God is doing in my life that are beautiful as I am still and I trust in him more and I lean into him more. Uh, someone once said, live like today is the first day and last day of your life. Because today is the first day of the rest of your life, right? <laughs> and it's also the last day of today, right? <laughs> so why not live each day? Each day has its problems of its own, but why not live as if your first day and your last day? Uh, imagine a church. Imagine a people. Imagine a life where everyone lived that way, 
lived as if today is a great day. It might be long, it might be short, it might be hard, it might be great, but it's the first day and the last day. And if we could be a people like that, how amazing that would be. There's one last thought I want to make, and uh, that's there's a time for salvation. There's a time for salvation. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says that now is the time of God's favor and now is the day for salvation. So my, my heart and my thought on that is if, if you haven't made a decision for Christ, maybe today is the day. If you haven't made a step towards Christ, maybe this is the time. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you don't even know why you're here today. You just happen to be at church today for some reason. But maybe today is the day. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's time to make a decision. Today is the day of salvation. And if if that's you, uh, don't hold back. Don't wait till tomorrow. Because today could be the last day. Today is the first day of something really great that you may mess out on. And you can join the fold of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who can tell you without a shadow of a doubt the day I made a decision for Jesus, the day of salvation that was at hand for me was that day. And I could have not made a better decision in all of eternity than that day. So make that decision today. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And if I could have a little music. Um, and and uh, so, God, I just, I just already, I'm already just praying for those right now who are, who are making that decision. Like, time is short. Time is valuable. So, I'm, I'm just praying, God, that as your presence is here in this place, that you would begin to help people see, to open the eyes and hearts of those who may be hardened, maybe because of something that's happened in their life, or perhaps they've, they've been searching for you for a while. And maybe there's those that are just ready. They realize that now is the time. So uh, with the church... Uh, and in front of you, O oh Lord, we, we, we pray and we believe this prayer and we, we proclaim it from our hearts. God, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you are salvation and you died on the cross for my sin and I open my heart and my life up to you. I walk into eternity today knowing that you have it all under control, under your sovereignty and under your grace, that you are a God who loved me so much that when I was yet a sinner, you died for me. And today I can know you by just receiving your grace, receiving your mercy, that I couldn't be good enough to have your grace and your mercy. Today, come into my life and come into my heart and make me a new person. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed still, if, if, there, if you are that person today that, that made that decision, I just want to pray for you. If you would just, just quickly raise your hand up and back down. Just up and back down. 
God, I pray for those hands that were raised up and down, Lord, today. I, I pray um, that you would begin to, to, to just walk with them. And I celebrate what you're doing. We're excited that you are doing a marvelous thing. So, God, in your grace and mercy, we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Can y'all give God a